Do we see at Groundswell this year, the 26th and 27th of June, close to London, UK? Many friends of the podcast will be there. John Kempf, Abby Rose, Benedict Berzo, Henry Dimbleby, Claire Hill, Russ Carrington, Andy Cato, Tim Coates, and many, many more. See you there. In this interview, we explore the role of animals in feeding the world. I interviewed the Dutch poultry farmer Ruud, who argues the importance of asking why constantly. For instance, why are we feeding food, which humans could eat directly, mostly grain, cereals and corn, to animals? Enjoy this wide-ranging discussion on animal agriculture, the future of food and veganism. Welcome to another episode of Investing in Regenerative Agriculture, Investing as if the Planet Mattered, a podcast show where I talk to the pioneers in the regenerative food and agriculture space to learn more on how to put our money to work to regenerate soil, people, local communities and ecosystems while making an appropriate and fair return. Why my focus on soil and regeneration? Because so many of the pressing issues we face today have their roots in how we treat our land, grow our food and what we eat. And it's time that we, as investors, big and small, and consumers, start paying much more attention to the dirt slash soil underneath our feet. Before we get started, I've been recording these interviews next to my day job, and I will definitely continue to do so, and release about an episode a month. But at the same time, I would love to take this further, share more interviews. There are many more stories to share on investing in regenerative food and agriculture. More depth, improve the quality, maybe even doing some video series. So I started a Patreon community, which makes it easy to support creators like myself. If these podcasts have been of value to you, and if you have the means, I invite you to support me and make this happen. For more information, please find the link to my Patreon account in the description below. And now, without further ado, the interview. Enjoy! Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Koen van Seyn, your host, and today I have the pleasure to interview Ruud Sanders, co-founder of Kipster, a beyond organic chicken and egg farmer in the Netherlands. Welcome, Ruud. Yeah, thank you. To start with a personal question, what brings you to start a beyond organic, as I quoted the, the Guardian here, which I will definitely put in the show notes below, to start a beyond organic or beyond free range chicken and egg farmer in the Netherlands? What brings you there? Yeah, I uh, I grew up on a on a poultry farm. So my uh, parents they were poultry farmers, and when they had a layer farm, it was actually to look how can we make as much eggs as possible, and that for the lowest cost. So large scale and large scale. And about uh, ten years ago, I was thinking, from is is this the way we have to go with animal products? So is there not a way to have look how can we make more animal protein, but that in an animal friendly and environment friendly and people friendly way so and that's how we started and that's the reason why we uh, want to do something different and to make better eggs or maybe the best egg in the world yeah i think you're you're definitely underselling yourself when you're saying something different because you're doing everything different can you describe a bit for someone who's not a poultry farmer like probably most of the listeners what is kipster in what ways are you different and then we'll dive a bit deeper into the animal protein discussion after that okay yeah but what what we did is first to have a look what's the role of animals in feeding the world why should we produce uh, animal protein because for example we have one kilogram of cereals and you can feed 10 people with it 
But what we are doing in the Wedge West, we are giving that one kilogram of uh, cereals to animals, and then you can feed in an inefficient way. You can feed two till four people with it instead of 10 people. So why are we doing that? Is that ethical to give all these good cereals and corn to animals, knowing that one billion people in the world are hungry? So what's the logical reason for that? So we were looking for that logical reason, and we couldn't find it. So we went to Wageningen University. What's the reason to produce animal products? And then she, uh, there was a, a good theory, we think. It was a theory from Professor Emke uh, de Boer. And what she was saying to us is the role of animals in feeding the world is that we have to produce uh, with all the arable land which we have in the world, we have to produce plant-based products for people. And then we have some marginal land in the world You can uh, uh, where nothing else is growing than grass. You can put a cow or a goat on it and you can make food from that grass with a cow or a goat. And then you have some West products from plant-based production from the land and you have some West products from human consumption. And then a pig and a chicken can do something fantastic because they can eat that and they can make food for people from that. And that's the role of animals in feeding the world, only eating our West products and they can make food for people from uh, products which we can't use anymore. So we said, okay, that's the role of animals in feeding the world. That's the reason why we should use as human beings, why we should use animals for our human beings. And if you are using these animals, then do that in an animal-friendly and people-friendly and environment-friendly way as good as possible. And that's exactly what we are doing with Kip. So we are only feeding our animals with West products from human consumption and from the land. And I really believe that we are the only one in the world who are doing that in a commercial way with laying hands. And that's the role of animals. That's what we are doing. And then you have a lot of other things you have to take care of. And that's for animal welfare. So we have three stars from the Dutch animal protection. We do that as good as possible. But we are also catching the finest out of the air so that we have no risk for the public health. We have also uh, transparency to all the people who want to know what we are doing because we are always open for visitors. We are also using the West products from an egg. And the West products from producing an egg is the, uh, the manure, the laying hands when they are too old to lay eggs. So you can make meat from it. And the roosters, because the roosters normally, uh, they are gassed at day one. But we, we say, no, we think that's not ethical to do that. So we want to make meat from it. And uh, last but not least, we are making a climate neutral egg. So these are all the things what we are doing. Yeah, there's there's so much to unpack, but I think the central yeah. theme is there to unpack literally in eggs, obviously, but unpack in, in your story as well. The central theme is what's the role? And and I think you went completely back yeah. to the, the basics. Okay, what's the role? Do we need animals? Yeah. And and if we need animals, what's their role in yeah. the, the food system of the future? And I wanted to ask about the, the meat part, actually, because it's something that many people don't consider very often first of all the the rooster part because obviously half the chickens when they're born are are not laying hens and normally they're like you mentioned they're gassed immediately and actually you're growing them a bit older and using them for meat as well yeah. and then the second part is that you you have a very central theme in your company you're you're only uh, you're first selling and then producing can you explain a bit about your relationship with the little supermarket and how that first sales and then production worked 
also on the meat side. Yeah. What we did, we were rethinking how can you produce an egg. So that's what, what I told. And that at that moment, we thought, okay, with this, we think we have the best layer farm in the world. So we thought, but, but uh, we can we cannot build this if we don't have uh, sales for our eggs. So we went to all the supermarkets in the Netherlands. And then uh, the Lidl uh, supermarket, Lidl was from the beginning very enthusiastic about what we were saying. So, but and at one moment uh, after a lot of discussions, they asked us, how can we help you to realize this so that we can really make this happen? And then we said, okay, for, for us, it would be nice if somebody wants to buy our eggs. <laughs> And that's exactly, Lidl was saying, and that's exactly... Kind of essential, yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. So, and Lidl was saying, okay, and that's exactly what we can do. And we said, if we have no sales for our eggs or no guarantees, then it's not possible for us because then the risks are too high. So we discussed a lot. And at the end of the discussion, we concluded, okay, we can get a, a contract from Lidl for five years that they for sure buy all our eggs and all our meat products from us and that for a good price. So we, we calculate our cost price, our margin, so and our sales price for a good price that we, we can really make this happen. And I think that's one of the big innovations in the agriculture sector, uh, for sure in the egg sector, that we are cooperating with Lidl and not only about price so that uh, we only discuss about price, but we are really cooperating. How can we make the best egg in the world? What does it cost? And can you really buy it from us? So uh, that's what we are doing with uh, with Lidl and with our sales. And it seems like they're happy because if I, I read it correctly, you have one farm now and you're opening a second one with Lidl again as a customer. Yeah, exactly. We started with our farm. We opened our farm in September uh, 2017. We had our first eggs delivered to Lidl in October 2017. And really from the beginning, we were completely sold out with our eggs. So that was very nice for us, but also very nice for Lidl. But there was one big thing because uh, Lidl don't want to say no to their customers. So And that was the reason that they say, okay, we see that, that it sells really good. So uh, we believe there's uh, also a space for a second one. So we are going to build a second one for uh, the Lidl in the Netherlands. And then again with a contract for five years for that farm. And just in terms of two, two questions, in terms of scale, just to give people an idea, how many laying hands do you have at the moment at your operating farm? We have uh, uh, 24,000 birds in uh, in one capster, and uh, maybe it seems a lot, but actually that's uh, uh, quite a little bit because uh, in average a normal barn system in the Netherlands has about uh, 70 to 80,000 birds, and a normal organic farm has about 20,000 birds, so we are almost the same as uh, an organic farm. And actually that's a great segue into a question there. What's the main difference between you guys and an organic farmer? Uh, what's yeah. the, is that the feed? Uh, are there yeah. other things as well? And, and what, what, yeah. what would you describe if I would be, I would be in the little supermarket. I'm looking at the egg uh, options. Yeah. I see you guys and I see an organic one and I see a conventional one. Yeah, I think there are three things. One of the things is our free range, because for 24,000 birds, an organic and a free range farm need 10 hectares of land to let the birds walk on. And every poultry farmer can tell you that from that 10 hectares, for sure, they don't use nine till nine and a half hectare. 
So we said that that has nothing to do with sustainability and nothing to do with uh, animal uh, welfare because they don't use it. And there are some reasons why they don't use it. Uh, they are afraid for frogs and for predators and they don't like rain. So we, we had another solution. Yes, uh, uh, free range is good for all the animals, so also for birds. So we have space to walk uh, outside, but not 10 hectares, so it's much lower. But with that, we cannot be an organic farm. That's the first reason. The second reason is uh, maybe more important, and that's our feed, because we don't want to feed good cereals or good corn, which we can eat as human being. And that's also what organic normally is doing. They are giving the uh, cereals and corn, but it's organic cereal and corn, so maybe that's a little bit better. But we can eat that as a human person, and we don't want to do that. So we are only giving rest products to our uh, uh, birds. And then you can say, okay, but then your rest products has to be uh, organic. Yeah, maybe that's true, but that's at the moment not possible because they are not separated organic and normal uh, uh, rest products. So, and that's the... uh, Second reason, and the third difference between uh, uh, organic and what we are doing, is that we are making a climate-neutral egg. And that uh, there are actually no farms at the moment who are doing that, or that is barn nor uh, organic. Do you want to learn how to invest, or are you an entrepreneur and want to build companies in the regenerative food and agriculture space? Or do you work in big ag and big food and want to really move the needle? we have developed a new video course for you. Find out more on investinginregenerativeagriculture.com slash course or in the show notes description below. So your main, I mean, apart from these three points, the main one is why would you feed something that that we can perfectly well eat to an animal if it's not necessary? Because what happens now with the waste streams or the residual streams that you mix into or with a partner you mix that into a, a poultry feed what would happen if your chickens were not eating that uh, then it would go to uh, uh how do you say that to biomass or to uh energy gas, so yeah, yeah. so and much that's lower may, that's maybe yeah. maybe also good but if you look to the environment what can be uh, to do the best with rest products then you have 10 steps And the first step is prevention. Everybody uh, knows that. The second step is uh, to give it, uh, for example, to the food bank so that also people can eat it. The third step is uh, conversion conversion to human food. So, for example, a tomato who is not good enough to, to eat directly, make soup from it. That's the third step. And the fourth step is uh, use an animal feed. So and then you have six six steps who are more worse, and that's for uh, example uh, biogas. That that that's not uh, as good for the environment as to make food from it uh, with an animal. And especially, I think, when you make protein out of it, which is yeah, almost yeah, a yeah, higher that, step from the yeah, cereal. That, that's, yeah, that's the, yeah, exactly. That's what you are doing with uh, animal products. You are making protein from it for people. And in terms of price, I mean, it's, it always comes down, not it always comes down. It, price is obviously uh, an, an important thing. When I'm in front of the, the, the little supermarket in front of the shelf, I know you don't control the prices, but what is the price range compared to others? Are you under organic, above, more or less the same? Yeah, if you look to uh, to normal egg price in supermarket and in barn egg, and a normal barn egg, that's the basic egg in, in the Netherlands, it's about 15 till 18 cents for consumer. A normal free range egg is about 22 till 26 cents an egg. 
and a normal organic egg is 28 to 32 cents an egg and our egg is uh, 25 cents so exactly in in the middle yeah yeah it's almost same as free range yeah. and, and it seems like people don't mind and and actually preferring it because you said you just said before yeah. that you were constantly saw that or the little was constantly saw that with uh, with your yeah, eggs yeah exactly so but i really believe a lot of people are always saying yeah but the consumer has to buy it and they don't want to do it yeah i really believe that consumers want to buy it if they know what you are doing if they can see what what's the difference and what you are doing then i i really believe that a lot of consumers are concerned about animals and about the world and they want to do the good thing so i i think it's not a problem but you have to do the right things and you have to tell the right things yeah and you see that with the the growth of, of veganism and vegetarianism i think yeah. we're in the in the Netherlands now on the, the vegetarian restaurant week, I mean, there's every week something around yeah. this theme and yeah. the growth on that is, and you're very specific also on the website on how many animal, how much animal protein um, somebody yeah. could consume, obviously coming from the research yeah. of, of Imke. Yeah, it's coming from uh, research from uh, Imke de Boer from Wageningen University. She's a professor there. And uh, what we are working, we are working uh, with her theory. So that means if everybody's working like we are doing, there's only feeding West products to pigs and to chickens and only using marginal land for cows, then if everybody in the world would work like that, then there is for everybody in the world 20 grams of animal-based protein available per day for all the persons, for all the people in the world. So, but 20 grams of animal protein, that's what's available. But now in, in Northwest Europe, we are eating 70 till 75. United States, 80 till 85, Africa, 3 till 10, and Asia, 5 till 15. So we are also eating uh, a lot too much animal-based protein. And that's for us also the reason why we are very enthusiastic about the week without meat, because we really believe that we have to eat less animal-based protein. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more because you basically, through this model, you have the max, like this is what we can produce without eating yeah. the planet. And and uh, there's some rebalancing necessary, obviously, from especially the, the global north to the global south. But and and in general, there's a, a huge um, decrease necessary. And another question on on the process: w What happens to the manure of the chickens? Yeah, well, the manure we are drying that in our capsule, so we are drying that till eighty till ninety percent. So that means that we are catching all uh, the water out of it. So if we are transporting the manure, we are really transporting manure and not uh, not water. And then we are bringing that back to the land and we are uh, exporting that to the north of France or to uh, Germany. But uh, we are making sure that uh, going back on the land so that it's, other farmers can use it to uh, produce uh, plant-based food. So basically you could say with, with every egg there are X square meters of land uh, regenerated because it's an organic uh, fertilizer, not a, not a chemical one, obviously. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And what is your, um, I mean, you've been in business now since 2017, you're opening a second one. Uh, what is your vision? If we would do a, a, an interview a year from now, like March uh, 2020, where would you like to be with, with Gipser? Yeah, yeah, we are opening a second one for the little Netherlands, but we have also uh, 
uh, a contract also for five years with a big uh, catering company in the Netherlands. So that that's the Sturft Capster in the Netherlands. And we have also a contract with a little in Belgium that we are going to open a Capster in Belgium for uh, for little. So that makes four of it. And we are also talking a lot. Uh, and have some uh, letter of intent in other uh, countries like uh, the United States, like uh, France, like uh, Germany. So we are talking a lot in in other countries. And I really believe that we can make uh, from this sustainability uh, project what we are doing, can really make business from it. So over one year, then, then uh, of course, we have to look to the permits and we have to build. So over one year, we have, I think, uh, three uh, uh, capsules. But if you are talking over five years, then I really believe that we have an international uh, brand for eggs uh, called Capster, and we are working in uh, maybe five uh, or maybe more uh, different countries with this concept. And, and are you considering other animals like pigs as they have a, a similar role, but obviously don't produce eggs? Yeah, yeah. That's also what we are doing. We are also uh, looking to uh, to other animals, but because in this vision, not only uh, chickens fit in this vision, but also uh, cows or uh, pigs. So we are also looking to that. But we are doubting a little bit because uh, we have a lot to do, and maybe it's better to to first to look to what we are doing now to uh, chickens and eggs. But uh, we also want to help other farmers or other people who are uh, uh, maybe can do this the same with pigs or with cows because we really believe this is the vision and this is how we have to work in, in, in the Netherlands and the rest of the world. And what do you think of um, the, I mean, you see a lot of insect companies coming up and a lot of them are saying certain things on chickens and we're feeding uh, insects to chickens, etc. Is that something you've been trying with playing with is something you've been thinking about uh, in yeah. terms of of the feed yeah we are thinking about it and we are doubting about it because what i see what we are doing is building a complete new business with animals insects to help an other uh, business with animals chickens uh, and make it bigger so i don't know if that's the right way to do maybe it's better if we are going to do something with insects in the world than to to eat these insects immediately as person why with another animal that's exactly the same as things on the land why give it to an animal and not to people directly it's exactly the same with insects why give it to other animals and not directly to people because you're seeing that your chickens don't need any animal protein, in this case, insects, to be well. At the moment, we are working uh, uh, without animal protein for our uh, for our birds, so and and it's it's going well. But that that could be a reason that we that we are saying in the future, yeah, okay, maybe we have to feed some insects because I really believe that it's also uh, good for the welfare from the birds because of course in nature they are also eating insects but then it would be a little uh, a, a few part of the feed so maybe one or two percent because it's good for the animal health but yeah what i say not for the role from animals and feeding the world because then i i really believe that we can uh, better eat the uh, insects directly yeah and and what do you think there there is a lot of talk but especially at larger farms i haven't seen it in uh, in the netherlands honestly uh, or in europe actually not so much on these these chicken caravans that are moving behind the cows uh, on yeah. on a lot of regenerative farms 
many small ones. I, I'm probably, I'm guessing your answer is going to be scale. Uh, what do you think of, of these chicken caravans that are following the, the, the cows on a, usually on a holistic management uh, farm? Yeah, I think that's that's a fantastic system, but that's exactly what you are saying for for the moment. It's very uh, uh, very small business, so it's uh, very uh, expensive eggs, and uh, not available for supermarkets because it's uh, uh, the, the number of eggs is very low. So what we think uh, you have to do is to make the uh, eggs as good as possible with animal environment and people uh, friendly as possible, but also uh, available for the average consumer. So it, it, it must not be a very high price for the eggs because then it's only for the happy few. And we want to make products for the, uh, for the uh, average consumer. But these initiatives with, with uh, uh, such things, I are really happy with it because I think, yeah, for now, I think it's not the right way to do for this moment. But maybe if they engineer and they do some innovative things, maybe over 10 years, it's completely different. Yeah, I think there's a big question there, not only on scale, but also on, on what do the chickens eat? Because they obviously... I've seen the numbers and, and they eat a lot of things on the land where they are, uh, where they are moved on, uh, but they don't only eat that. They, they usually eat some other types of grain, et cetera. And then we enter in exactly the same discussion. Um, yeah. what do they eat beyond just the insects and some of the yeah. maybe grasses they eat? And they usually eat up yeah. to 50% of other things, uh, which shouldn't be something that, that we could eat as well. Yeah. Or maybe you can give them then also West products. Yeah. For example, I mean, of yeah. course, if you can buy yeah. um, a good mix that, that you're using and, and you can, then it becomes a very interesting because then the role, then you don't have to drive the manure out anymore because it's actually yeah. already done. But yeah, the, the prices and, and scale is, is, it's, I don't see it changing uh, very quickly to something that, that no. a supermarket could buy. Because just to give an idea, how, how many eggs a day do you do or do your laying hands? Uh, make basically or lay an uh, average uh, 22 uh, so seven and a half million a year which is not a small which is not a small feat yeah no it's not it's not it's not a small uh, number no exactly no i mean you you explained how you fit in into the larger system and that you're you're relatively small compared to some other uh, yeah. operations but still for for most um most people thinking about chickens and poultry they, they would probably not think about these numbers no exactly and some some final questions on the the financing or or the business side of things how has that been so far how has it been financed if you're willing to share obviously has it been difficult to get to investors that understand uh, these kind of things how, how has it been that journey to from idea i mean obviously found a little but i don't think they invested i think they just guaranteed some offtake yeah. um how, how did you manage to to build it Exactly, the little a guarantee, yeah, but with that guarantee, you can go to investors because that's uh, comfortable for us and for them. But now for the first, uh, for the first capital, we had a private investor who really believed in what we were, uh, what we were saying and what we were doing. And actually, that was not very difficult, to be honest, because when we had the contract from the little uh, in, in two months, we had, we had our finance. So that was, uh, uh, yeah, that was very fast, I think. And now for the West, now we have proof that it's possible. We show that it's possible. Our uh, financials are, uh, yeah, we are very happy with it. And now also uh, it's possible to finance it by bank. So that's what we are now doing for the for the next capsules. We are financing it actually in a in normal way. Wow, which I think in 
less than two years, uh, which is a huge, yeah. a huge achievement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For for this moment, we are yeah we are very satisfied with our results and and all our attention for Kipster. Yeah. And because if you if you told me this uh, two years ago, then I I I would have said to you, you are crazy because we don't believe you. And to finalize uh, or to draw this this podcast to a conclusion, because I, I want to be conscious of your time. Uh, two mm. final questions. I always say final question, and I have two others. Um, if imagine there's a room full of smart impact investors uh, listening to to this podcast, and they they really want to put their money to work in in the future. Uh, the system, the food system of the future, and and of course we're not giving investment advice. But what would be some of your uh, pointers? Where should they learn more? Where should they look at in in terms of sectors, in terms of parts of uh, the food and agriculture sector where where their investment euros and dollars and yens etc can can have the most impact? What would you uh, tell them? Yeah, I think then it's really uh, uh, important not to look to only to the uh, economic efficiency, but also to the ecological uh, efficiency so why are we doing things what's the role of animals what's what's the role of the land why why on that on this land producing uh, cereals and why on that land uh, uh, grass and and a cow or goats so i i think we have to to look from what what's the best to do for the world and have a look to that and if we have that, then 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 we can produce our food. So and that's completely different if I compare with what we have done the last 50 years. So I think we have to look to a new structure. And then for uh, uh, the most important thing is to to ask ourselves the question, why are we doing these things? And why are we doing this with this animal? And why are we doing this on this place? These are very, very, very fundamental questions. I, I, I remember... Yeah. I think it's Ricardo Semler that kept saying you have to ask why three times, which usually gets you to the the core of of an issue of a problem. Because after the second one, you start to to get to a really interesting uh, interesting place. And to finalize this one, what what if you could change one thing overnight? So you have a magic wand, and uh, uh, you could change one thing in the food and agriculture system, or even in the investment se- system, if you want to. What would you, Ruth, uh, as co-founder of Kipster, what would you change? Then I uh, then I would immediately stop with uh, with using all these animals just for human beings. I think that is a little bit crazy what we are doing with all these animals. So I dream I I'm dreaming of a world in which we don't use animals anymore for our food. And I know that for now it's not not possible. And that's also the reason why we are going uh, on with Kipsel, because we think if we are using animals, do it as animal-friendly and people-friendly and environment-friendly as possible. But I hope that over 20 or 30 years, we don't, uh, uh, don't use animals anymore for our food. Thank you so much, Ruud. And uh, I will definitely be checking in to see where you're at in a year or in two or in five years. Yeah, that would be nice. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay, bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and learned much more about the role of animals in the food system of the future. If you found the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast valuable, there are a few simple ways you can use to support it. Number one, rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. That's the best way for other listeners to find the podcast and it only takes a few seconds. Number two, share this podcast on social media or email it to your friends and colleagues. Number three, if this podcast has been of value to you and if you have the means, please join my Patreon community to help grow this platform and allow me to take it further. 
You can find all the details on patreon.com slash regenerative agriculture or in the description below. Thank you so much and see you at the next podcast.